I think interest rates will start to come down towards the middle and the end of the year. Actually getting kind of a shot in buying in the market. If people want to buy more affordably, they move further out. Is 2024 the year that the rental crisis eases? Will interest rates go down? Will there be more homes for sale? And will prices continue to rise? Welcome to Real Talk, realestate.com.au's property news podcast. It's real questions, real experts and real insights. And today we're going to be talking about how we think the market is going to look in 2024. We spoke to a few people about their thoughts on the year ahead. I just think the demand's too high. I think it's there. People know that they can get money. I think that the rental market in particular will stabilise and I actually think rents might come down this year. A lot of people are kind of falling off an interest rate cliff this year. I can only hope that rents will stabilise a bit. Yeah, it's going to get worse before it gets better, I think. Joining me to unpack it all is Cameron Kusher, the Director of Economic Research at PropTrack, and Anne Flaherty, Senior Economist, also from PropTrack. Anne and Cam, thank you so much for joining me. I always love having you both on to share your insights. I want to look at some of the key trends that we're kind of set to see in the property market this year, according to kind of our forecast. Let's start with price growth, because 2023, it actually did go the complete opposite way than what was predicted, right? So it was predicted that there would be a dip in price anywhere between 7 and 10%. But at the end of 2023, property prices were up nationally 5.5%. Cam, what are prices looking to do this year in 2024? We're going to see prices continue to rise, but we expect that the rise in prices will be more moderate than what we saw in 2023. So nationally, we're currently forecasting prices to rise by between 1% and 4%. We're still expecting that the best performing markets from last year, which were Perth, Adelaide and Brisbane, will see the strongest price growth. Sydney and Melbourne are set to see price growth moderate compared to what we saw in 2023. And then the smaller capital cities, we're forecasting pretty negligible price growth or even potentially some moderate price falls. We're going to see some tax cuts in the next financial year and they are going to benefit the high income earners. Do you think that this will place a demand on higher price property? The implementation of the stage three tax cuts was certainly part of our thinking. Of course, they have changed now. So the higher income earners were going to get about a $9,000 tax cut previously. Now it's only going to be about a $4,500 tax cut. But those tax cuts have been broadened and now lower income earners do reap the benefit of it. So I think net, it probably won't really change our forecasts at all. What you might see is not as much strength as we are anticipating in that top end of the market and maybe a little bit more strength at that lower and middle end of the market as those tax cuts go live from the middle of this year. And what are your thoughts on price growth? Are there any other factors that you think will play a part in this? Look, I think it comes down to supply and demand. We're experiencing very strong population growth. I think interest rates are also one to watch this year. The fact that we saw property prices so resilient over the past year, and in fact, they even grew despite interest rates continuing to rise, really speaks to the resilience of the market. I think if we do see a more stable interest rate environment this year, which we expect, or even if we potentially see rate cuts towards the end of the year, That is going to support buyer confidence and also if the example of interest rates being cut, that would support price rises. And one of your colleagues, senior economist Paul Ryan, he said that a large part of the price growth last year in 2023 was due to buyers coming to the table with a much larger deposit, borrowing from the bank less than 60% of the total house value. What are the reasons for this? Do you think this trend will continue into this year? 
Look, I think we will see that trend continue. What we saw over the past five years, particularly in those 2021 really low interest rates, we saw booming property prices. And that means that there are a lot of people who bought, say, five years ago or more, who experienced extremely strong growth in their asset, in their home. And that meant that they had a big growth in the usable equity that they could use to purchase homes. And that's part of the reason why we're seeing more of these buyers. The other thing to keep in mind is that these people who were already in the market, who experienced this growth in their assets, they are in a relatively stronger position than your first home buyer, for example, who has seen interest rates reduce the amount that they can borrow by around 30%. So these people come into the table with bigger deposits and like cashing in on the equity that they have in their home. It could also be downsizers as well as upsizers. Are they kind of semi-immune to interest rate hikes? Well, certainly people who don't have a mortgage, they've got their home paid off, are immune. And in, in many ways, these people are actually benefiting from higher interest rates, particularly if they've got savings sitting in a bank deposit, for example. That means that they're probably getting more interest on their cash. So it certainly means that the higher interest rates are absolutely impacting different people in our economy in different ways. It's really those people, your first home buyer who bought, say, in 2021, when prices were reaching peak levels, interest rates are really low. So people borrowed a lot of money and now we've seen interest rates increase dramatically. So a lot of these households are really feeling the squeeze. Cam, do you think there's any capital cities that will go backwards in price growth? Based on our forecast at the moment, we have a possibility that a market like Hobart would see price falls. Our forecast is for a fall of up to 2% or an increase of up to 1%. In Canberra, we're expecting pretty flat conditions. So we've got a negative 1% to a positive 2% increase in that market. And Darwin, a negative 3 to 0% change in prices in 2024. So I think if anyone's likely to go backwards in price, it'll be those smaller capital cities. Maybe Melbourne, but just because Melbourne's price growth has been so sluggish over the last couple of years. And as more stock has come to the market in 2023, we have seen that rate of price growth slow. So if you continue to see a high level of stock becoming available for sale in Melbourne, maybe we do see a moderation in prices there. But elsewhere, it'd be pretty unlikely that we see prices fall over 2024. So why would a price fall though? So somewhere like Hobart, for example, a really strong market from about 2015 onwards. The thing that really drove the Hobart housing market for a long time was that it was so affordable. It's now more expensive than Perth, more expensive than Adelaide. Prices are pretty similar to what they are in Brisbane. We're seeing a lot more stock on the market in Hobart. We're seeing less interest from people interstate wanting to buy in Tasmania because it's just not cheap anymore like it used to be. In a market like Canberra, there's been quite a lot of housing stock added to that market. So that's eased the pressure on property prices in Canberra. And in Darwin, it's so reliant on transient workers coming into that market. So I think that's why we've seen that weakness in the Darwin housing market. But Darwin just by nature is an extremely volatile market because it is a small market and there aren't a lot of transactions that happen. But basically, what would cause prices to fall overall is reduced demand and a heightened level of stock available for sale. Cam, what do you think we're set to see in terms of stock levels this year? Because 2023 was pretty much a nightmare for a lot of people. There was quite low stock to what we've seen previously. I like to think of 2023 as a year in two parts. So the 
first part of the year, we were seeing extremely low volumes of new listings coming to the market. And then it got to the middle of the year and particularly in Sydney and Melbourne and even in Hobart, we started to see a lot more stock coming onto the market. Keep in mind, this was the point in time when interest rates were still rising, but the pace of interest rate increases was slowing. It looked like we may have actually already reached the peak in interest rates in the interest rate cycle. Of course, we didn't. We did get further rate hikes after that. But all of a sudden, there was a preparedness from people to put their properties on the market in those cities. We didn't see those conditions replicated in places like Brisbane, Adelaide, and Perth. In terms of this year, I guess my big questions are, We've seen six months of really strong new listings in Sydney and Melbourne. How much longer has that got to run? I would be very surprised if it's got another 12 months to run. The other question is, in Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth, will the stable interest rate environment it now looks like we're going to get at least for the first six to nine months of this year, will that start to give people the confidence to put their properties on the market? And I guess the proof will be in the pudding. The feedback we're still getting in those markets is we can sell our property. We know we'll probably get a good price for it but there's nothing on the market. So what am I going to move into? The rental market is so tight. Remember, each of those cities have a rental vacancy rate below 1%. If we have to transition through the rental market, where do we go? And I think we're not going to cry poor for homeowners, but I think it's one of the things that is forgotten with this really tight rental market, that a lot of people sell their property first and need to transition through the rental market for six to 12 months while they're looking for their next property. And it's very hard for people to do that at the moment because that stock level is so tight. And who do you think this will affect the most if we are set to see lower stock levels again? Look, honestly, I think this is going to affect everyone in the property market. I think that whether you're a renter, you're in a situation where you might think twice about moving into a different rental property because you know that you might face a jump in your rent. You know that it's incredibly competitive out there. If you're someone who is in the rental market and you're thinking of becoming a first home buyer, it's tricky because, of course, with relatively limited stock for sale, that limits your choice and it also means there's a lot of competition out there. Then, of course, as Cam mentioned, for those people who already are in a house and perhaps they're looking to sell and move somewhere else, they are probably thinking about the fact that what if they don't find that next house quickly? What if they do have to move into the rental market? How much is that going to cost and how hard is it going to be to actually secure an appropriate rental property? Construction is at a decade low. Cam, is 2024 set to see more of a decrease in construction and more of a delay? Dwelling approvals are at record low levels. The number of dwellings under construction is actually pretty close to a record high level. So there's still a lot of people waiting for those houses to be built. We still have a lot under construction and that is going to thin out through this year. Commencements have really dropped quite significantly. We've already over the last couple of months started to see a little bit of a rebound in dwelling approvals. It's not huge, but it is a little bit of a monthly increase in dwelling approvals. I think things will be slightly better this year, but keep in mind from July of this year is when the government needs to start delivering on that 1.2 million homes they want to build over the next five financial years. And I think we're going to be a long way from where we need to be in terms of monthly approvals, quarterly commencements from where we need to be. So whilst I think there might be a slight uptick in construction this year, at least commencements, maybe not completions, I don't think we're going to be building anywhere close to the amount of housing we need. Building costs have gone up so much. Labor costs have gone up so much. Labor shortages are there because there's so much infrastructure construction going on. And then equally, interest rates are the highest they've been in 12 years. Finding enough buyers to get 
the green light on a project to go ahead and construct it is difficult. Developer and construction finance is a lot more expensive as well. So making all of this stack up in this environment is extremely challenging. What's the effect on the market though? It does put a floor under how far property prices could potentially fall. And I think over the longer term, the longer we continue to build fewer houses than we need, the more pressure it's going to keep on property prices rising. I do think at some point, we are going to see a strong upswing in new development happening. Unfortunately, I don't see that large upswing happening in 2024. It's probably more of a 25, 26 sort of prospect at this point. Let's move on to another trend that we've forecast is based around affordability. Housing affordability is at a 30-year low. So, Anne, are there any areas around the country where you think will become more unaffordable than others? Look, in general, I think that where we do see populations grow and more people moving into that pushes demand up and that pushes property prices up. We are going to continue to see that trend of particularly first home buyers or people looking to upsize for their first family home, for example, move further out or else make the compromise of a smaller home closer to their ideal suburb. So I think we are going to see more compromise this year. There's always areas that are going to be more affordable than others, but of course, they're more affordable for a reason. There tends to be fewer people looking to move into those areas. So I think that we are likely to see more suburbs tick up into that, you know, million dollar level or, or whatnot for the first home buyer that is facing really high interest rates at the moment, has to pull together a higher deposit than ever. They're probably going to have to make a bigger compromise on what they're willing to buy just to get into the market. If capital cities are becoming more unaffordable than regions or if the regions are actually becoming more unaffordable, how's that going to affect the wider market as a whole? Look, I think it just means that a lot of areas around the country are going to continue going up in value. We do anticipate that prices aren't going to grow at the level that we saw them grow last year, which you know might give people a little bit of a breather, particularly if we do see interest rates come down a little towards the end of the year. But ultimately, we are seeing the population grow very strongly. And unfortunately, the speed at which new housing is being built is, is not looking like it's going to keep up with that population growth over the coming years. Whether you're a renter or you're looking to buy, you're probably going to face higher housing costs. Cam, what other effects will affordability have on this cohort of people, the first home buyer group, rather than just having to adjust expectations? The main result is that people can't buy the property they want. People that maybe aspire to be able to own a house are not even going to be able to do that. So they're going to have to downgrade their expectations to a townhouse or an apartment. I think broader societally, it does have challenges as well. So I think we can see people are having starting families a lot later than they used to because they aren't in a house, they don't have that secure tenancy that the, that they need. People are going to re-examine what's really important to them. So I think, you know, we talked about regional areas and we know that during the pandemic, a lot of people move regionally, but maybe businesses that give people flexibility to work outside of the capital cities, people will be more inclined to go and work for those businesses because that's where housing's more affordable. People are going to have to take the option up for smaller properties and probably in locations that are not as desirable as what they would like them to be. We did speak to somebody about housing affordability and how it's affecting them personally at the moment. As like a renter, like the anxiety that you have of having a rental property, I'm really hoping that, you know, in my situation that I can stay at my house because 
looking for another place just isn't really the ideal. You know, it might be listed for 500 and you go and there's like 30 people there and then you leave and, you know, someone can offer three months up front and has offered more on the house. It's been really hard. That renter is doing it quite tough in terms of the rental market, but what we've spoken about previously is the jumps in rent can semi be attributed to the jumps in interest rates and landlords needing more money to cover the costs of their rising mortgages on these investment properties. Cam, you're all over interest rates. Can you give us the goss? What's happening with rates this year? At the time of recording, we just got the latest CPI data for the December quarter. CPI is the measure of inflation in the economy, and inflation has been one of the big problems in the economy at the moment. We've seen right around the world, inflation has taken off, and that's basically the reason why interest rates have increased. So the latest inflation data had a headline inflation at 4.1% over the year and underlying inflation at 4.2% over the year. That's still outside of where it's supposed to be. It's meant to sit between 2 to 3% over the medium term. So we're outside of the target range. But the current Reserve Bank forecasts were that inflation, both headline and underlying inflation, would be 4.5% by the end of 2023. So inflation's come in below those expectations. So that significantly reduces the likelihood that we're going to get further interest rate increases. Interest rates are still a lot higher than they've been in a long time. But I think that is going to give people a bit more certainty. But I think there's a, a clear signal that interest rates have likely peaked. For the moment, it certainly looks like there's no reason why the Reserve Bank would be lifting interest rates. If things don't stabilise and we actually do see more interest rate rises in 2024, what could be the possible effects? We have already started to see property prices slow down at the speed at which they're growing. I think that if we were to see interest rates rise further, that would be a real shock to consumer sentiment, how people feel. We know that consumer sentiment, how people feel about the state of the economy and their own finances has been in the doldrums for you know close to two years now since interest rates started rising. And I think that if we did see interest rates rise again, it's going to be a blow to confidence we're going to see more uncertainty and people are going to be you know, more hesitant to bring their properties to market or even to purchase a home. Cam, what's the magic cure to loosen the rental market? There's no quick fix, unfortunately. We need to be building a lot more housing. You know, Having more abundant supply of housing means that people have more choice. And that can be the case for properties to purchase, but that can also be the case for properties to rent. That rapid rate of migration into the country over the last couple of years as international borders have reopened. Most of the people coming in are students, so most of them are not going to be buying a home. They're going to be renting. One of the things I think that we should really be looking at is the universities are the ones that reap the benefit of all these students coming into the country. A lot of them have got a very large tracts of land. Why don't they build some more student housing to house all of these people coming into the country? The other way you can ease the rental pressure is to get more people into their own home. But increasingly, that's difficult because prices are extremely high. Affordability is at 30-year lows and interest rates are the highest they've been in, in 12 years. But if there are ways that we can find to make that transition from renting to owning your own home easier, then that would potentially be helpful. And do you have anything to add to that? I think that's exactly right. We need more housing. When a population is growing, we need more properties built so that those people have somewhere to move to. Guys, thanks so much for sharing your predictions for this year. It has been a really insightful episode. And just to our listeners, remember to press subscribe or follow so that you can actually keep in touch with how the market goes this year. So it'll be a very interesting one. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. 
Thanks for joining me. This has been Real Talk. For your weekly fix, please follow wherever you listen to your podcasts and tune in next time for more real questions, news and insights on the topics that matter most from realestate.com.au, Australia's number one address in property. All information provided is general advice and opinion based on current market conditions. These opinions should not be treated as investment advice. Always obtain advice based on your individual circumstances. Real Talk acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, air and community. We pay our respects to elders past and present.